When someone says, do you want to watch Monkey Bone? You should be forewarned that they are not actually asking you to watch late night National Geographic documentaries. Instead, they're asking you to watch something much, much weirder than that. But if the Brendan Fraser Renaissance is upon us, then let us celebrate by trying to prove to you that Monkey Bone is not that bad. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this edition of It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A grades in B movies. Now, on this show, we have watched a number of how shall we say interesting films uh some were a little uh not so good some were a little weird some were a little out there this one happens to kind of be a mix of everything because we are talking 2001's monkey bone uh and we have a double treat for us today because first of all as always on the show my lovely wife carrie is back carrie how are you doing I'm great. How are you? All good. And now the reason why we are talking about this film, uh, our good friend, our family, Alex, also known as AC Official from his music remixing. Alex, welcome to the show for the first time. What the hell have you done to make us watch this film? I mean, how you doing? I, I'm great, and I'm very sorry for putting you guys through that trauma. <laughs> now, now, when we were talking about actually doing a film and having you come on the show, uh, this was the film that you mentioned, like, right at the bat. What is it about Monkey Bone that made you want to prove to you why, why it's not that bad? Well, <laughs> like, uh, like I mentioned before we started recording, I had a very great memory of this movie growing up that also traumatized me. So, uh, you know, it, it was worth a shot considering it didn't do too well in the box office and good, good, really good Would you good like cat. to share with us what, uh, what is the memory attached to this movie? <laughs> so my mom, she's like, oh, I saw the commercial cartoon monkey, Brandon Fraser, you know, George of the Jungle had just like, made it big and she's like we're gonna get you this movie never nothing she just bought it we never <laughs> rented it and i'm watching this and then i get halfway through the movie where chris Kattan gets involved in the movie and <laughs> complete trauma for the rest of my life okay so the beginning part didn't like throw you where he went into his concussed state <laughs> uh, not at first because i had watched the matrix right before this movie had came out so it was it wasn't too too bad see i found myself asking very quickly into the movie like is this deemed hell or like is he dead or is this just the creations of his concussed mind? I, and I do I do believe you phrased it as, what the f*** is going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, okay, you didn't have to share. Overshare. <laughs> what, what the f*** is happening? <laughs> yeah, even Nat was very confused. She's like, is this a, a figment of his, like, is this all his imagination? How is there other people? Like, yeah, it's... Even I was a little confused at first. I'm like, I thought it was his imagination. So I'm just curious now: is this a movie review session or a therapy session? I'm just, I'm just you making can, sure that we're we're on the right page here. You know what? I just hope by the end of this, we all leave feeling a lot better. You know? 
<laughs> We're in this together, Alex. We're we, in this together. Yeah, we will group hug the crap out of this. But, <laughs> but before we get into Monkey Bone, we're going to have to take this 2001 Brendan Fraser flick and trailerize it. One could attempt to make sense of the insane fever dream that is Monkey Bone. Or one could instead just treat it like the euphemism it sounds like and find other ways of saying sex. Like afternoon delight, assault with a friendly weapon, batter dipping the corn dog, bringing an al dente noodle to the spaghetti house, burping the worm in the mole hole, creaming the Twinkie, gland to gland combat, Opening the gates of Mordor, putting the wand in the Chamber of Secrets, vulcanizing the whoopee stick, and pressure washing the quiver bone in the Lady Wrinkle. If you're uncontrollably laughing at this, you're now ready for Monkey Bone, starring Brendan Fraser, rated PG-13, just like all of these euphemisms. <laughs> Uh, I I need to explain to our audience that that took about 15 tries just to get past uh, bringing the al dente noodle into the spaghetti house. That is... I got flashbacks (laughs) to the old spaghetti factory when you said that. Oh, Oh, no. I think I have just... basically proven that I have the the brain set of a 13-year-old boy um, because I found that way too funny to get through. Carrie's just like still red-faced because like, yeah, you're shaking your head. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Okay. You know what the scary thing is though? This is going to be like the one episode our kids listen to. And they're going to come and go, Dad, what does it mean when you vulcanize the whoopee stick? I'm like, no, 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 not having that conversation. No. What's a lady wrinkle? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That might have been the toughest one to get through. All right. I I may never be able to eat a Twinkie again. (laughs) You're going to watch that Harry Potter movie all differently now. Putting the wand in the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, you had to bring the Harry Potter into this. Ugh. Well, the Potter was Harry, so it's all good. Uh, but let's go through who's in this movie. This movie stars Brendan Fraser, Bridget Fonda, Rose McGowan, Giancarlo Esposito, Dave Foley, Chris Gattan, Whoopi Goldberg, and as the voice of Monkey Bone, John Turturro. However, there's an almost starring in this one. Apparently... Uh, because this film is based on the graphic novel called The Dark Town, uh, there was supposed to be a bit of a darker version of Monkey Bone rather than the madcap antics that it was. And when they were talking about that, the role of Brendan Fraser, of Stu Miley, was originally going to be played by Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I could <laughs> see that. And the role of death was going to be played by Christopher Walken. <gasps> oh, that would In be an fantastic. Universe, man. <laughs> you want to get back to your girl, Bendova? I'm going to kick you up Abraham Lincoln's mouth. <laughs> oh God, I don't know what's worse, my Christopher Walken imitation, or all the ways I just tried to describe sex in the trailer eyes. Um, <laughs> Yet I want to see that movie. Right. Absolutely. I want to see that made. Now here's a conflicting one, okay? Because 
Ben Stiller was originally attached to this project, but it's unclear as to what he was supposed to be doing because according to IMDb, he was supposed to be the voice of Monkey Bone. But according to an article in Variety, he was actually supposed to be Stu Miley. Either way, Mystery Men kind of kept him out of the production, but Ben Stiller was originally attached to this. Uh, it was directed by Henry Selleck. Uh, you'll probably know his work best as the director of A Nightmare Before Christmas, James and the Giant Peach, which is also a euphemism for sex, and Coraline. I'm sorry, I had to go there. I had to go there. Um, this was actually nominated for some good awards. Uh, it was nominated for two Taurus World Stunt Awards. The first one for Best High Work, uh, but that actually went to Rush Hour 2. Makes sense. And, and Best Work with a Vehicle. Uh, you know you're not going to win that category when you're up against the Fast and the Furious. I'm, I'm just saying yeah. right out there, like that <laughs> that franchise just wins all of those. However, at the Stinkers 2001 Bad Movie Awards, this was a dishonorable mention for worst film, and Whoopi Goldberg was nominated for worst supporting actress. Now keep in mind this is also the year she was nominated for Rat Race. The winner that year was Tori Spelling for Scary Movie 2. Although, that being said, even though it was nominated for The Stinkers, no Razzie nominations for this one, which is kind of surprising, because normally when you see one, you kind of you see the other, but not this time. Where this movie falters, however, is the budget. Because this, bu- this film had a budget of $75 million. The worldwide gross was seven point. Six million. That's worldwide. That's it. That is, according to IMDb. Now, to put it into perspective, when this movie came out on the weekend of February 23rd, 2001, according to thenumbers.com, this film debuted at number 11. Not even in the top 10. The number one film that weekend was Hannibal uh, in its third week. Only one other debut, that was 3,000 Miles to Graceland at number three. That debuted at $7 million. Monkey Bone pulled in less than $3 million in its opening weekend. Like, I'm, I'm not even going to lie, Alex, when, when you told me this is the film you wanted to do, I was like, oh, that's great. What the, what, what is Monkey Bone? I have never heard of this film. Like, yeah. so is this one of those movies that you, you kind of just discover on like VHS or DVD? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I think so. Well, funny enough, I saw, um, a YouTube video not, well, long enough ago where I guess this movie was supposed to go so big, they even had toys, but it didn't last very long for, uh, Toys R Us and Walmart. And it was mostly like little figurines of the monkey and not necessarily of the other characters. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Well, you know what? I mean... Chris Kattan's corpse as a uh, as a toy might might have been kind of funny, especially if it's like one of those like floppy bendy dolls. Um, <laughs> All the guts are coming out, yeah, <laughs> pretty much, right? <laughs> Pull the guts out, put him back in. He's a corpse. It doesn't really matter. Uh, it, no. That that would be kind of like the new version of Operation. Try to put the intestines back into Chris Kattan. Ah, uh, but over, the critics were not kind to this one. This no. film over on Rotten Tomatoes has a audience score of 27%. So not great, but the tomatometer. 19% tomatometer. Now, Carrie, when we were watching this and you were like, what the f is going on? Um, 
what was your initial thought as to what this film was probably going to be rated by the critics? I'm actually surprised it hit 19. So that's kind of a good thing. Um, (laughs) Yet in reflection, like it, it depends if you have a critic that has a good sense of ha ha, um, then, yeah, I, I think 19 is probably fair. Mm. And the audience was higher, though, right? The audience was higher at 27%. 27. I, I, you know what? I could even see it go 27 Yeah. at Rotten Tomatoes. Like, it, it depends on, you know, again, <laughs> the, <laughs> the critic that's, uh, I don't know, that's critiquing it. Now, Alex, I mean, as, as the person who brought this to us, and you were saying, like, that basically your mom bought you this DVD or VHS because it was Brendan Fraser and, and you know, George of the Jungle was out and whatnot. So when you're watching this, you're like, oh, oh, it's that guy. Oh, what, what the heck is going on? Like, well, like what, how, what was your initial thought on this? And keeping in mind that this film is 21 years old now. So now I've just dated Ooh. you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> 27. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? Watching it the first... Oh. I even remember the first I think the first time I was just <laughs> I think I was vibing more with the music than actually paying attention to the storyline and mm. then the more and more I would watch it I was like wow this movie is is so messed up it's like literally right in my alley of like sense of humor when it comes to like it, it's a little cringy some of it's raunchy there's a lot of innuendos and it's just like but the cast was the cast in my opinion is an amazing cast but a a massive waste when it comes to what i had seen tonight Mm -hmm. which goes completely against what i was saying because i was here like completely for this movie and i i still am for this movie like i didn't i didn't think it was that bad yeah but i can definitely see why it didn't do good all right so let's get to the breakdown of this film and carrie we're going to start with you on this one look we're in the middle of the renaissance of brendan fraser if warner brothers would actually you know release the movies that he's in still pissed off are you warner brothers for shelving batgirl um but carrie brendan fraser you know a a gem to begin with right um but how was brendan fraser in this for you okay so i have to admit that it literally this movie went under my radar. I didn't even know it existed until about a month ago. And I was so psyched to watch it. I hate to admit that I put off doing my homework until, you know, the 11th hour and and the day before my assignment was due. Um, So I only just watched it last night. And I have to apologize to Mr. Frazier because I think that if I had given this maybe one or two more, more watches. watches it you know what the more i stepped away from it i was like yeah okay so it has a great cast i really like brendan fraser i really now that's my disclaimer i like brendan fraser however <laughs> i feel that his character or his personality didn't quite shine through um from the beginning of the movie 
it, he was almost kind of like trying to reprise his role um, from Airheads, where he was like that shy, super quiet, super um, internalized, creative soul. And I think I wanted to see maybe just a little more crazy, you know, from the beginning. So you kind of like say, oh, okay, so this is the inner workings of the mind of a very creative person. Um, I think that was missing a little bit. So it was a little daunting that when, you know, he was in a coma and we get thrown into this world that I can't even (laughs) begin to explain aside from a fever dream on acid, uh, washed down with Red Bull and vodka. Um, And it was was only at the point where he came back back into the world as his monkey that I kind of think that I, and I think in hindsight they did it on purpose that way mm-hmm. do you think so like it was almost kind of like you have to have the two very different sides of his personality and it was by design yet I still feel like something was missing and I feel like I could have seen more uh, yeah, I'm I'm huge Brent Fraser fan. When you mentioned Airheads, I immediately clicked as to how you were describing. Um, what I'm seeing right now, too, on uh, Wikipedia is that The Mummy Return came out a month or, or a month and a few days after Monkey Bone. So it could also just be, you know, uh, a filler movie. Mm. Probably on, on his part, maybe due to contracts or whatnot. You know how Hollywood can be sometimes. Well, you have to think that a movie like this, too, is going to take a while to, you know, they'll film it, but then, you know, like in 2001, it's going to take a long time to get this film out because there's a lot of stop motion work in this. And, you know, like I I was getting a lot of Beetlejuice flashbacks because it had that kind of tonality. But I mean, the thing with Frasier in this one, um, you, Carrie, you nailed it on the head. There's two performances in this. Also, the name of your monkey bone sex tape. <laughs> oh, bringing the al dente noodle into the spaghetti factory. <laughs> also, don't bring an al dente noodle into the spaghetti factory. They frown upon that. They frown upon that. Um, but I mean, here's the thing, right? Like when he's stew, you know, whether he's in like coma world stew or even, you know, um, you know, before dying or after coming back kind of thing, you get, you get like, the gem that is Brendan Fraser, like just, just a sweetheart, heart of gold kind of thing. Like, you know, Brendan Fraser is like, just can come across as a sweet guy. And I, and I kind of got that feeling. Uh, if you guys remember the movie bedazzled with him and Elizabeth Hurley with Elizabeth Hurley as the devil, right? Like he's just such a sweet guy in that film. But then when he's acting like monkey bone, because monkey bone has kind of, um, you know, come back into the exact, you mentioned Airheads. Alex, you mentioned George of the Jungle. The first thing that came to my mind was Encino Man. When he's like, you know, when he's, you know, swinging around on the bedposts and, you know, like that's the kind of thing. I mean, first things first, uh, it's now proof positive that if you have a trashy soul patch on your face, you are evil. <laughs> that That is just movie rule 101. Soul patch equals evil. Um, very much like the Mr. Spock goatee. That's when he knew it was the bad Spock. When we said at the beginning of this film that Nicolas Cage was in the was in the running for this role, um, I think Nicolas Cage might have brought a more 
crazy version of Monkey Bone, but not as an effective version of Stu Miley. Exactly. I don't think he would have been as likable. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, what I thought was interesting, too, was his kind of like quiet, peaceful detest of the marketing mm-hmm. of his idea. You know, it was almost kind of like he hated his own creation from the beginning. And I kind of, I don't know, I, I was kind of put off by that. I think maybe had we seen maybe Monkey Bone as like, truly, it, he was supposed to be his buddy, right? Mm-hmm. But he was almost kind of like done with the whole monkey slippers and monkey phone and inflatable monkey, which actually inevitably caused his... um coma <laughs> you know um, it's it's a it's a morbid analogy but i remember watching uh, a heavy metal documentary and they were interviewing jenny lane from uh, from warrant about how big cherry pie got when they released that song and he was talking like yeah you know cherry pie hit the radio and next thing you know warren's playing at all these cherry pie eating contests and it's cherry pie this and cherry pie that and jane lane said on camera's like i would rather eat a bullet than have to hear cherry pie again and you know like it's it's sad because of course now he's no longer with us but i i can almost see that parallel between you know not wanting to be super huge but yet the creation that you have created kind of gets you know takes on a life of its own and he's fighting against that in any way that he can in his very nice personable way and i i I definitely think of any actor of that era who's going to play that role i think brendan fraser was a was an absolute perfect choice hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Um, and it's, it's interesting though, that you mentioned about the whole, like, you know, the creation kind of, you know, him hating his creation. There's this thing with, uh, Julie 
uh, the doctor slash girlfriend slash, you know, one soon to be fiance as played by Bridget Fonda. And she was mentioning how she was working with him and getting him to start drawing with his left hand. Um, and that's when monkey bones started to become created. It was almost like two different personalities and you do kind of get that right brain, left brain, but we need to talk about Bridget Fonda here. And as good as an actress as she is, it's such a waste of a character because they didn't really explain beyond girlfriend, right? Quote unquote. Um, there's so much more to Julie as a character, but they, 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 almost relied too much on the madcap antics and the stop motion animation rather than explain everyone's backstory and i think julie was uh, was kind of left behind alex what were your thoughts on bridget fonda's role in this yeah i totally agree on the um, lack of character development i feel like even after today i, wa- I was watching this and i was like wow there is a lot of plot holes like mm. there's just so much story there's too many characters that are introduced, but not enough explanation. Like, why do we like them? Why are they important? Why are they in the movie? And I think that plays a huge role, again, with uh, Bridget Fonda. I almost said Jane Fonda. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, that but, would have been a much earlier film if it was Jane Fonda. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, it's just, there's a complete lack of character development. It's just more like, all right, here's the character's and they kind of do a little bit here and there just to kind of like fill in the scenes, you know? I completely agree with you, Alex. I, I mean, the the hospital scene where the woman was like sobbing, I'm like, and who are you? <laughs> like, where did you come from? Um, you know, and then there's even like, um, like a circle of friends standing around where they were going to cut his um, Pull the plug, life support, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, who the f*** are these people? <laughs> where, yeah. where did they come from? Um, for the most part. Um, yeah, but yet I think, I don't know, I almost kind of feel like they might have blown too much of the budget and like visual hours of the movie um, in his creative mind. Like, and, and less of the story and the character building. Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, the weeping sister in all this, Megan the Laley, uh, who played Kimmy, Stu's sister. Um, he, like, this was at a left field, right? Like, he, all of a sudden he's in the coma and there's the sister. Okay, that's cool and all that. And then she's like, oh, yeah, well, we have a we have a do not resuscitate pact. What the, really? Why? Like, it's not like, why? And she's so adamant about cutting the cord. I'm just like, why? Is she in his will? Right, exactly. It just seems like, <laughs> like, like worst sister ever. And then you know when Monkey Bone comes from comes up, we never see from her again. Like what the what? Like uh, again, like I'm, there's so much more to this character that I want to know, but we didn't get to know them. Like Alex, like we, like when when the sisters wanted to cut the cord, like did you want to know why? Oh yeah, absolutely. I know that in the in her initial scene where she's sobbing at the hospital, there's a quick mention that, you know, their dad was on life support forever and then they cut his life support and then they were like, oh, well, we're not going to have that happen to us. So if one of us ends up in that situation, we'll end it quick. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, cool, you mentioned it, but I don't feel a connection 
to that explanation. See, that surprised me because I did, I missed the part where they actually mention it, and I think that that's a little bit, you know, uh, a mark against the madcapness of it. Like there, there's a lot going on in this film, um, and then for you, Carrie, like you know, like first of all, if I'm in a coma. Don't be so anxious to pull the plug. I am coming back, even if I do act like a monkey. Just, well, I'm just not saying. letting you go. <laughs> <laughs> I will resuscitate myself. I can just you're, see, no, you're gonna, not going anywhere because uh, I I can see you you know bedside with the paddles going. This is gonna take a while. <laughs> Clear. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, this is fun. <laughs> Jason's coming back for the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> is he coming back to life? No, but. But the noodles al dente, so hey, we're you know, we're getting somewhere. <laughs> oh, that's gonna be one of those episodes, isn't it? Um, let's stick in the land of the living on this one here and move on to David Foley. Um, of course, this being a Canadian podcast, we we stand up and salute when we see one of the kids in the hall. Um, Dave Foley in this one, first things first, and and I'm Carrie. I'm just gonna hand this over to you your first comment when you saw dave foley was love dave foley that what w- the hell did they do to his hair i was about to say that, that i hope they love paid it. him well <laughs> like and that's the funny thing like this this was filmed you know like right around the time the news radio was on the air and it's like i don't remember his hair being like all weird spiky california blonde hairdo kind of thing like what did he french kiss the light socket <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like Dave Foley is a comic genius. Oh, he's so good. I just have to point out his visual facial expressions, like, say it all. Like, Mm -hmm. that scene where um, he comes up to... um, to the two when they're kissing at the exit seat, uh, mm-hmm. exit door and he just doesn't have to say anything just sits there and just stares sits there with that smile that Dave Foley <laughs> smile and oh my god I was like yeah just that's awesome <laughs> Alex how, how was Herb for you Dave Foley I love Dave Foley I watched Kids in the Hall growing up and uh, well we recently watched uh, last one laughing Canada mm-hmm. and he's also featured on that show and so when Natalie and I were watching it she goes oh wow I didn't recognize him he's so skinny um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I feel like with with someone as great as him uh being in a movie like that having somebody where he could uh, you know control a, a situation just by having a, a certain look not necessarily having lines can go a long way because frankly herb didn't have a lot of lines in this movie mm-hmm. and but his presence you know when you think of monkey bone after especially after watching at least two three times herb is going to be one of the standout characters okay still in the land of the living um sort of chris Kattan. As the corpse <laughs> that Brendan Fraser gets punted up into um, and then gets up all Undertaker-like in the hospital and starts running around in a very... Um, <sighs> I want the bendable Chris Kattan figure from this movie. Right? He, he's like a Stretch Armstrong, but it's Chris Kattan. <laughs> the, the deceased Olympian. I, I want that that action figure also, in now my I, collection. Now I want the Walking Dead Olympics. <laughs> but, but i mean like you know you, you take a look at chris Kattan and of course like you know all the the saturday night live physical humor that he does like like 
it, it's so perfect for and him. He, his gymnastic game is on point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, well oh, yeah. at least his stunt doubles, you know. Well, at least he was, he was dead. So, you know, there's not much, you know, to go from. <laughs> you ain't going to feel that in the morning. You yeah, know? <laughs> you can't go far from dead. So. so, so Alex, going from a kid in the hall to a member of Saturday Night Live, like Chris Kattan for you. Oh, I, I've always been a, a fan of Chris Kattan just because I watched the reruns of Saturday Night Live. I, I just, <laughs> rewatching Monkey Bone now, it, for, that character is a lot funnier to me because my humor is very dark. And I found out recently that Chris Kattan actually broke his neck. Yep. <laughs> so he's not acting anymore because of this injury. And I'm like, oh, you went from playing a guy with a broken neck to actually breaking your neck. Good job, you know? Oh. Um, Does that mean he got monkey boned? <laughs> Yeah, well, pretty hard. <laughs> okay, well, as, lo- as long as Brendan Fraser doesn't end up inside Chris Kattan now in real life, then we're all good. No, um, <laughs> that should have been in the trailer. <laughs> Brendan Fraser inside of Chris Kattan, monkey bone. That's it. <laughs> oh, that's going to end up on so many wrong, wrong channels. Um, <laughs> But it is like Chris Kattan brings such a, such a fun physical humor to, to 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 the performance of this like you know the, the he ragdolls all the way through like it's and the funny thing is it's so out of left field right like it's not like he was there you know throughout the film it's like all of a sudden there's this here's chris Kattan and he's gonna make you laugh harder than you laughed in a bit during this movie and and he's bang on for this yeah i can also appreciate the uh the charlie chaplin-esque uh, physical comedy when he tapes the the ruler to his head to keep his head up, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and then he just and he keeps like stiff body afterwards, even though he's like flailing a lot. Uh, the I want to say Brendan Fraser as Chris Kattan, but really it's it's Stu as Chris Kattan. Yeah, uh, there's a part when they're uh, hanging from the monkey bone balloon. And he's throwing his guts at him. And all you hear is, I don't care. Have another one. I'm dead. And I'm just like, I didn't remember that line ever watching this. So that made me laugh out loud. I, th- I think for me, it's when he got on the bus. And of course, like, he's a corpse. He's a reanimated corpse. And everyone's like, okay, okay. No, he smells like the dead. No, no. It's time to get off the bus. Time to get off the bus right now. Um, like. There's there was a lot of really smart humor written around Chris Kattan's corpse. Um, that just sounds really wrong to say, but you know, here we are. Um, but considering the trailer eyes today, uh, nothing is out of the ordinary on this one. Um, let's go to Como World here in downtown, and we have to start with an absolute waste of Rose McGowan as Miss Kitty, like. When she's in the trailer and all, I'm like, okay, so okay, so this is the character that's gonna guide, you know, guide Stu through the through the like the, you know, this weird purgatory that he's in, and she's like in maybe two or three scenes, and you know, there's a, a knowledge and a relationship that's sort of implied, but that it, it really, we needed more Rose McGowan in this, I think, Carrie. I agree. I mean, that's always a good thing. Cause she is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I kind of like almost that, um, Brendan Fraser's character was kind of just fumbling through his own creation and his, his own world that he's created in his, in his comatose mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you would tend to think if, 
this is the world he's created, he would be a little bit more in tune with it. And I think inevitably he was. Um, So I don't kind of think he needed that extra guidance. I think it helped. I mean, Mm -hmm. definitely um, that, you know, she provided the... um, was it that key? Yeah, so, so she basically stole the, the key from yeah. Hypnos in order for, for her to be able to help Stu get out of the prison that he's locked in with, like, all these nightmarish creatures and Steve King. Steve King. Yes, which is not actually Stephen King. Apparently. No, I found that out today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they tried to get him, but they got a look like, and they called him Steve King for legal purposes, apparently. So, uh, But he actually did look a lot like Stephen King, so I'll give them credit for that. But I mean, like, you know, Alex, I mean, when you see the trailer for this, right, and there's a lot of Rose McGowan in the trailer, it almost feels like when you watch the movie, it's like they, they took all the Rose McGowan and put her in the trailer, and it's like, okay, okay, there's no more of her in this? Yeah, I was uh, I was thoroughly disappointed uh, after a few viewings realizing that the character of Kitty wasn't even in, involved in the whole thing. Um, one thing I did notice watching this again today is um, right before it cuts to uh, Julie trimming his beard and, and while he's in the hospital, um, Kitty and <clears throat> Kitty and uh, Stu are sharing a conversation, and he goes, uh, "I'm tired of martinis. I'm tired of watching people's nightmares, like as if he's already been there for a long time, and then you find out later on that it already." It's already been three months. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge time jump in this movie. So you don't see necessarily any character building or any um, anything that could go along with the plot because it's implied that there's a history with Kitty and uh, Stu. So my assumption is that maybe Kitty's a figment of his imagination about Julie. It's, and that's why he's so connected in a way. It's interesting because, like, before we continue on with the rest of the cast here, let, let, let's bring this up. Because, you know, we're talking about all these characters that are that are in the downtown, if you will. And it's I, this movie seems to take a lot for granted that you already know the graphic novel, which, I, you know, in researching this film, this is the first time I've ever heard of the graphic novel Dark City. And it's not really, at least in the film, um portray to us like on one hand we think it's uh like almost like an uh, an escape dream state for Stu because he's in the coma he's in his own mind these are characters that he's created which is why monkey bone is there but to the same token as well other people are leaving the downtown getting reprieves and going back to the real world so is this like purgatory for everybody Here's what I would have liked to have seen is more of his actual inner circle in real life. Mm-hmm. So like the Dave Foley character and Bridget Fonda, like his girlfriend, like I would love to have seen those characters in the downtown in his, in his dream state. Mm-hmm. Um, even if, and again, clearly they're, they're not in a coma and that would have kind of, been I guess counterintuitive to to where they were going with the story but almost to kind of see I don't know like 
Well, you saw his creation of his actual world. You saw that with um, Moon Knight. And when Mark Spector slash Steven were kind of in this weird um, death, talking with Tower at kind of plane of existence, everyone at the at the, the facility while after he got shot were all people that he had interacted with in the in the first four episodes of the season. So it made sense that this was the kind of like the in between, if you will. Um, between life and death here uh, it's it just all of a sudden like he's in stop motion world and you think it should be saying Beetlejuice three times in order to you know conjure Michael Keaton it, it just doesn't really describe whether this was uh, purgatory in a in a in a weird uh, middle existence you know playing set or if this was a you know an escapist kind of where does the mind go while he's while he's in a coma like Alex when you're watching this you know the first time how confused are you as to where Stuart is at this point um yeah there's a lot of um confusion as to where he where Stu is in the movie because there's so many uh little locations right you got the land of death you got the that little part in between like in the land of death we're all like uh I want to call them like the the Grim Reapers. They're they're all traveling through. You got the downtown area that's like five places into one. Um, watching, yeah, definitely watching this the first time. It's it's a lot to try and take in, especially now because I didn't even know that it was based off of a of a graphic novel. So I'm learning this for the first time, and I'm reading about it too at the same time. And it's it's an incomplete series, so I can kind of see why the movie felt a little incomplete as well. Okay, let's get back to the rest of the cast here, because yeah, it's one of those things where it's like you know I'm just not quite sure exactly what to uh, what to make of it. But you know, going along with the ride here, uh, we have Hypnos as played by Giancarlo Esposito. Um, look, rule of thumb here: if you're gonna you know, you want something to be good, you put Giancarlo Esposito into it. Uh, he was awesome in The Mandalorian. He was awesome in The Boys. He was awesome in Revolution. Uh, if they cast him as Professor X in, in Marvel, in the cinematic universe, he's going to be awesome there. Giancarlo Esposito equals awesome. That's just kind of the rule of thumb. Uh, and here, as half man, half goat in the underworld, go, you know, god of nightmares, um, Alex, to you, Giancarlo Esposito. I love that guy. I seen him in, um, I think it was in the Maze Runner movies he was in. I think it was Maze Runner. It definitely wasn't the, um, uh, was it the uh, the Mockingjay? What was that movie called? Oh, The Hunger, the, the Games. Hunger Games. Yeah, he wasn't in that one. So I always confused The Hunger Games with uh, Maze Runner. But he was in Maze Runner. And when I saw that face, I immediately recognized him as, hey, it's Hypnos from Monkey Bone. And not obviously never seen Monkey Bone at the time, had no idea. And then, you know, he was in uh, the Far Cry video game, mm-hmm. uh, Call Me Sal. He was in uh, Breaking Bad, you know, all these things. And I'm like, this guy is an amazing actor. What a waste in Monkey Bone. <laughs> <laughs> but, know? but the thing is, he, he's not a waste in Monkey Bone. Like, here's the here's the one character whose motivation makes sense in a way. 
right? Because, you know, he's the, he's hypnos, he's the god of dreams, and he wants to make sure that everyone on the surface world has nightmares, which, can we just stop for a second here and ask why Stuart Miley, a really sweet, heart of gold guy, wants to marry a doctor who has a nightmare-inducing formula in her lab. Does no one see a problem with this? (laughs) It's very contradicts itself. Like, Bridget Fonda seems sweet. She's got a a big old jug of nightmare juice in the fridge at work. Um, You might want to rethink your choices there, Stu. But, I mean... At least with Hypnos, his motivations and his arc made sense. So, Carrie, when you see uh, a half man, half goat with wearing sunglasses and 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 charming up stew, um, at what point did you question whether you had the gummies? <laughs> I, you know what, I just looked at him as the creation of the the devil in in his mind, like. I don't know. Like, um, yeah, I mean, with every good, you need a little bit of evil. And I I think it was um, important to the storyline because, you know, you need like that um, antagonist to, you know, to kind of get past or like, I I don't know. I I just, I think the the entire... That entire part of the movie, I was just like, what <laughs> is this? However, whenever he was monkey bone or whenever he was back in his world, then I much enjoyed the movie. It was just kind of like, I felt like there was a bit much. Like mm-hmm. it was almost, and and clearly if it had to be, you know, three months of his coma, they need to show a lot of it. But yeah. I just kind of felt like it was overkill, and I that part of the movie kind of lost me. Yeah, you, I, you can't really SpongeBob this and go three months later. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no. Yeah. But but I mean, there there's the other question too, right? Like that's where the real confusion really comes in. You have hypnos, you have death, you have all these characters. So okay, purgatory. But then how did Monkey Bone get there beforehand? Who's Miss Kitty? How do? Why does she like Stu so much? We, uh, again. We don't know. Like, if this was all in Stu's mind, it makes sense. If this is a, if this is that that in between between life and death, it can make sense. But you got to pick one or the other. You can't do I, both. I think I have an answer to that. So I'm at a point in my life where I watch everything with subtitles. Okay. <laughs> and there's a scene where they keep referring to monkey bone and other characters in downtown and land of the death and stuff like that as figments so it's almost like yes it's purgatory this is where everybody's going when they're in between life and death you know in a coma or whatever the case may be but all these characters are solely based off of that specific person's mind because even natalie was like I don't get it. Is the entire downtown based off of Stu's imagination? Because frankly, there there's just so many characters, so many things going on, especially in the backgrounds. You can't really tell right away, but you could almost see who he interacts with more or has a reaction to 
that that specific uh, creature or character comes from his mind and not somebody else's. Mm-hmm. What I thought so, was really cool was the um, picture that he had drawn before um, going into a coma. Yeah, where he's like, like, where he's like the organ, and everyone's trying to like operate on him. Like, a very cool painting, but that makes one think that you know what we're seeing in this stop motion animation world is kind of within his mind. Mm-hmm. Oh, I th- I I don't have a doubt that it's all creations of his mind, and even the other people who were being released back into the world, or you know, their death was decided. I think those were also maybe creations within his mind that, so he, he didn't feel so alone. Yeah. I, I kind of get that. And I wish they had explored more the idea of Stu being of two minds rather than just, Oh, you know, Julie got him to draw, start drawing with his other hand. And then all of a sudden all these creations came out. Like I wish they would have explored that duality a lot more. But maybe that's just me. Um, let's move back on to the one female character in this film that seemed to have uh, a good amount of development and, um, you know, a lot of good screen time. And that's Whoopi Goldberg as death. A, as cool as Christopher Walken would have been as death, I kind of like Whoopi Goldberg a bit more. I don't, Alex, I don't know about you, but, you know, Whoopi Goldberg as death for you. Whoopi Goldberg as death was completely out of left field for me, considering at the time, I think the only Whoopi movies I had seen were Sister Act. Um, (laughs) So to see her go from playing a nun to playing, you know, the queen of death, death, um, it, it was completely, like I said, out of left field for me. I think the, her, playing a character like that was very enjoyable because she comes off as somebody who is uh, serious not to be messed with Mm -hmm. but then for some reason has a change of heart when love is being mentioned and that little sassy loving side of Whoopi Goldberg comes through uh, in her character which I really enjoy she has that like um, lovable personality at the same time even though she's a uh, power figure yeah oh alex i have to highly recommend her role in ghost i love ghost patrick swayze like, oh that was yeah. a good that was a good movie but i mean I, I as soon as you know i saw her in this character i just flashed back to that and her role where she was like i forget the the woman's name but she's like you're in trouble Mo- oh is molly you're in trouble, Molly. <laughs> like, and because she's talking to the dead, right? Um, and channeling Patrick Swayze's uh, ghosts. Um, but um, I love Whoopi. I love, love Whoopi. And you're right. Like, she is a force um, in any role that she ever takes. Like, um, loved her in staged. I think she was the absolute perfect <laughs> um, agent, you know, like, that don't around this is what you need to do um so yeah. do it <laughs> yeah she, she kind of brought that a lot i think a lot of that character that the the you know the agent from stage to this or vice versa if you will because there's there, there there's something of that you know middle bureaucrat in 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 death where it's just like ah, don't f- with me i will do the job when it needs to get done but 
as I'm watching this, I, it drew a comparison or at least a parallel to me um, in the role of the judge of Maya Rudolph in The Good Place uh, when Kristen Bell and everyone there are like basically trying to prove that they're good enough to go to the good place even though they're supposed to be in the bad place kind of like that where it's just like the the judge really just like gonna do their job but they don't care they like to have a little bit of fun it's like okay i like a good story kind of thing um that was kind of whoopi gold uh whoopi goldberg for me for here like it's, it's a, it was a fun role for her i had serious flashbacks to beetlejuice mm-hmm. and the underworld and, you know, the woman who um, basically kept control or had rule over the, mm. the underworld, you know, the don't mess around. Like, Are you talking about the lady who would smoke a ton of cigarettes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised no one mentioned her role as Guinan in Star Trek The Next Generation as like the almost the exact opposite of death. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I had never really seen uh, Star Trek. I've been meaning to really dive into that that ver- that era of Star Trek. Like I've seen a lot of the uh, God. I'm blanking on his name, William Shatner. I've seen like a, a lot of those ones, but wait. I haven't seen a the was it the Picard ones? Yeah. Wait, you're telling me that you have not at any point in time gone down Next Gen Road? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, Alex. Oh, Alex. Oh, Alex. My whistle card has been revoked. <laughs> Don't worry. There, there's only like, what, seven, eight seasons? We, we can fix this in a few weeks. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, yeah that's quite the commitment there. Yeah. Don't worry. We, we, we will assign you an, you know, an episode a night, and we will check in with you on a weekly basis. It's okay. We'll get you through this. <laughs> okay. There's still one character that we have not talked about yet, and that is the euphemism himself. The monkey. Monkey Bone. John, John Turturro, the voice of Monkey Bone. And it's funny because this isn't the first time we've talked about John Turturro on this show. And more often than not, it's, you know, it's because he's playing like a wacky role. I freaking love John Turturro as Monkey Bone. Like, it's, I I wish, because, I mean, I don't, I, maybe you guys will agree with me. And, and Alex will start with you on this one. This was... Like the the jokes in this, the lines, the delivery, all seemed at a really, really fast pace. Like it almost felt like someone was, you know, hitting the dialogue at like one point two five speed, like on YouTube. I wish they had given Monkey Bone more time to develop his character rather than just a lot of crazy antics. Yeah, um, I feel like Monkey Bone comes off almost as a Bugs Bunny type. Mm-hmm. Um. I for the longest time I didn't know who played Monkey Bone. I I always wondered, but never really went out to go and find that information out. And then a couple years back, I saw that it was that guy that played him, and I was like, "Wow, it's it's the bad guy from you don't mess with Zohan." Oh, thank God that was the reference you're gonna. It's the Phantom, the Phantom. Yeah. <laughs> and then Mr. Deeds, right? He was in Mr. Deeds as the. The guy who got all the money at the end because he was the actual heir of the company. Yeah, and then from Transformers, the Sector Seven yeah. guy. Yeah, it's yeah. So that blew my mind, honestly. Carrie, how was Monkey Bone for you? 
I can't believe I just said that sentence out loud. But, hey, how was the monkey bone for you? <laughs> yeah. Well, it did make way for the best line of the movie. Um, <laughs> I'll be right choke back my as soon as I choke my monkey. <laughs> Love it. Love it. I, I saw it very much um, like Alex suggested. I, I saw monkey bone, like the, the monkey, as um, actually like more like a Roger Rabbit. Where, you know, constantly like getting in the way, yet um, like such a pivotal character and and so important to the storyline. But yeah, just kind of like being that pestery animated character. Um, Now that you've mentioned Who Framed Roger Rabbit, I just have this urge to go... Um, Alex, how's your monkey bone? I can't believe I just said that, but you know, I need a, I need ice. You know, <laughs> someone give me a cigarette and an ice pack. Oh, oh man, uh, I just want to touch on this real quick. So you mentioned, wait, wait you want to touch on the monkey bone? Yeah, I want to touch the monkey bone. Okay, um, <laughs> don't don't shock the monkey. Don't touch the monkey. Um, so you had mentioned how the voice seems like sped up or altered in a way, which it totally is. If you watch the trailer on YouTube, they forgot to alter the voice for the commercial. So it's John's proper recording voice that's in the trailer. And then the altered version is in the movie and it completely threw me off. Fascinating. Now I want to seek that out. Mm -hmm. Even trailer shows the movie Almost starting differently, they meant like in the trailer you see as well. Uh, Stu in a in a phone booth and a pipe or a light a light post falling down, causing his coma, which is what happens in the uh, in the comic in the graphic novel. But in the movie, uh, they changed everything. Like I had this on DVD, and they didn't even have deleted or alternate scenes. So it 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 just goes to show you the possibilities of what this movie could have been. I just have to say that the the trailer itself, when I first saw it, I was so excited for this movie. Like, I, I think in my mind and based on the trailer and what I saw, I had expected so much more. I had such high expectations. And then last night watching it, I was just kind of like, I don't want to say I was disappointed because... It was what it was, but I think it could have been so much more. And they definitely showed all the good parts in the trailer. I, I, I find it funny that you said that in looking at a monkey bone, you wish it could have been so much more. <laughs> <laughs> Brain of a 13-year-old uh, I have. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be okay. Like uh, I don't know if I am. I don't know if you're ready to like be reintroduced into alt, like adult world. This is what two and a half years of a pandemic has done to me. I've reverted back to the brain of a 13-year-old. Uh, this, of course, I was my starting point was uh brain of a 15-year-old. So, you know, it's not like I'm moving that far down the pipe. But, you know, here we are. It wasn't a far slide. But, I mean, Alex, here's here's a question for you. Because, you, again, you're the one who mentioned this this film. In that, <laughs> yeah. you know, when, you're, when, you're, when you watch the trailer, like Carrie mentioned, like it looks like a, a fun madcap kind of film with a really good cast and all that. And you watch it and you spend like half the film going, what the, um, how was that for you? Like, you know, you get this film given to you by your mom 
and you 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 know based on the YouTube clip that you saw or whatever it was kind of thing, um, and then you watch it, like was was it a, a bit of a letdown for you from the trailer? Yeah, I think uh, obviously when you're that young, you kind of don't really notice the the differences right away until you see the trailer again. Then you go, hmm, that didn't happen in the movie. Hmm, they cut that part out of the movie. Hey, why is this, like, why aren't these people more involved in the plot? Like, what is going on? And honestly, it's like what Carrie mentioned. They probably just blew so much budget on the 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 stop motion and the CGI and the green screen stuff and just all that. that they couldn't really explore the plot or really go into ex- expanding the movie because I think what the movie's like a little over an hour long. I th- I think this movie, if it would have been two hours long, it would have properly checked all the boxes. Mm-hmm. That would but have been I a bit think, much, I think. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> so, Alex, I have to know. Young Alex gets this DVD. Was it DVD or was it, are we back no, in the days of VHS? VHS. Okay, excellent. Yeah. I love it. Okay, so young Alex watching this VHS versus, you know, Alex of today, not going to age you, but older, wiser, more mature. Yeah. <laughs> 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 right. Um, but aged (laughs) to perfection, right? Aged to perfection. (laughs) Um, Okay. Which Alex likes the movie better and why? Hmm. I think younger Alex likes it better in the sense of I was too young to catch all the innuendos. Like you're an innocent mind. You don't get it. You're just entertained by the fact that you're looking at a cartoon monkey and Brendan Fraser going around trying to basically get his life back. Older Alex can also enjoy this movie just as much as young Alex, solely based off of the nostalgic trip that you get watching a movie that you've loved for so long. And I was wording every line as it was being played out. Like even Natalie was looking at me like, do you want me to just mute the movie? (laughs) <laughs> Do you want to just say all the lines? Like I was even singing all the songs word per word, like because I remembered everything. It it gets like it gets burned into your mind. Oh, I love that. This is your Batman. This is the equivalent <laughs> of the Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson Batman for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but watching it as an adult, Alex, you're you're getting all the underlying innuendos does it make it funnier or does it make it almost kind of like 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 eye-opening like holy crap I you know I didn't laugh at that as a kid <laughs> or I totally um, didn't catch that all of the above honestly it made me enjoy the movie a lot more because I was able to catch all these little little jokes um, <laughs> but at the same time it was like I have a hard time explaining it. It's just, I feel like I, in a way, I enjoyed it just as much as I did the first time. The nostalgia factor. Most of it. Yeah. Awesome. And I I do have to say, like, as a PG 13 film, it actually stays pretty PG 13 despite all the innuendos, which is, you know, kind of cool the fact that it is actually on Disney Plus, which, you know, I'm kind of surprised on that one. But Alex, I'm going to put this one to you here. Um, 
because this is a combination live action animation type film, even though it is stop motion animation, um, you know, Carrie mentioned earlier, uh, who framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, there are of course other films, uh, that are a combination of live action and animation, you know, like a cool world or something like that. But how does this rank for you as far as uh, a combination movie? Um, I've always put Space Jam on the top of my live action animation and Space sort of Jam movie. Two at the bottom of it, right? And Space Jam, <laughs> Space Jam way down. Um, if I had to put, for example, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Space Jam, and Monkey Bone in a line. Monkey Bone, unfortunately, would be number three because Who Framed Roger Rabbit was so much, so much entertainment. Um, but it's still, I, I don't think it would be any lower than a three. If I had even five or ten movies, I think it would always remain top three for me. Gary, how about you? The the combination live action animation films, like how how does this rank to you or how does this stand up against the rest of them? Well, I mean, it depends on what the other options are. Compared to Roger Rabbit, I mean, that movie is an absolute gem of a classic. Um, so there's no contest there. But I think if you were to compare it to, like, let's say, what, Bezel the Cat from Movie 43. <laughs> You're still traumatized on that one, aren't then, you? <laughs> then I, I, I give it, you know, I give it a, a second placing. Um it, it all depends, right? Like, um, it's always fun when you see that connection between live action and animation. Like, it's always fun. Um, I can't think of a movie that did it poorly. Um, so... I think Cool World might be up there, but that's, you know, that that's an episode, you know, that's a movie for, another, for a later episode here. Okay, it is time... To put it all on the line, Alex, who is your MVP of Monkey Bone? I've been waiting all day for this answer. Like, who's my my top person in this yep. whole movie? Yeah, who makes this movie for you? Who is your MVP of Monkey Bone? Hmm. I think I'm going to go with Chris Kattan. Okay. Just because of, like, the physical comedy, I think that... Even though it his character traumatized me, I think I laughed the most as a kid watching his guts spill out throughout. You know, while the what is it, the paramedics or the the hospital staff is trying to chase down his organs. You know, I think I think that 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 had me split in two as a kid for sure. Uh, it also had Chris Kattan split in two apparently. So you know, Kattan <laughs> <laughs> right. split in two is the name of the sequel. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, Carrie. Your MVP of Monkey Bone. I have to say, I completely agree with Alex 100,000%, and that's what I was going to say. Um, so I have to go with my second runner-up and and give uh, some props to Chris Foley. Dave Foley. Dave Foley. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, to, to Dave Foley. Um, I, I just think his just... He, he doesn't even have to say anything. He just has to show up on screen and smile. And it adds so much 
to the scene. Notice how she chooses the guy who was like, you know, naked in the film as her MVP. I know. <laughs> Full oh, back right. nudity exactly. in this movie, by the way. Yeah, you, you saw the kid and his haul. Um, kind of forgot about that. <laughs> okay, so I it's my turn and I have to disagree with all of you. Um, I am going to go with Hypnos himself, Giancarlo Esposito. Um, A, as half man, half goat, half whatever the f- um he's just he just brought so much cool to that role which is funny because like when you think about his character in the mandalorian um it's it's as as moff gideon it's it's just so badass and then like you know like you mentioned in far cry just so badass then here he's just the coolest evil you know evil you know keeper of dreams and whatnot just so in a role that's just so messed up he brought an ultra level of cool to that uh, to that role. Um, Alex, thank you for making us watch this. Oh, Carrie's got her hands up there. I, I just want to say that Whoopi was done dirty, though. Name me your sex tape. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I do not agree with her being the scapegoat on this movie and winning the... No, she's only nominated. No, okay, nominated. So it, it wasn't a win. But here's the thing. I think I think it's not just this film, though, because the same year she was also in Rat Race, and Rat Race is another one of those films that qualifies for this show, for this podcast. Ooh. And I'm sure we will go down Rat Race Road as, at some movie. point. I love it. I know, I know. It's just so much fun. But it's just so panned. Uh, Alex, thank you for bringing this movie to us. Now, where can our listeners hear your your remixes? Uh, if you go on YouTube and you write AC Official uh, Session Mix, you'll find my channel. There, I found out the other day there's actually a lot of AC officials on YouTube, but none of them do any music remixes. So none of them are as official. They're not the official. <laughs> and, not where, the where, official. and where Bunch can they posers. find you on Twitter? Pardon? And where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, Twitter, I believe it's the same one. Let me just go double check. I that. do I do believe you are at AC official. It is uh AC official page. Ah, okay. Yeah. See, it's all because of those other quote unquote AC officials. Um, yeah, posers. <laughs> Alex, thank you so much for this. Carrie, thank you for going down Monkey Bone Road with me. I can't believe you know I, I had to get one more in there. Um, I'd monkey Bone with you any day. Oh, love it, <laughs> love nice. it. And to and you, and I'm fired. It was a, it was a good run. Uh, and to you, our <laughs> listeners who suffered through this entire episode of our Monkey Bone uh, euphemism jokes, thank you. Thank you for listening to this. Now, you guys know the drill. Uh, If you think there's a movie out there that is unfairly maligned or that is just so bad or so messed up or so full of monkey bone jokes that there is no way in hell that we can find anything good to say about it, hit us up on Twitter at NotThatBadCast and we will watch it. We will dissect it, much like Chris Kattan, and we will find the good things to say because we are looking for those A grades in B movies. Alex, Carrie, thank you so much to our listeners. Thank you. This is It's Not That Bad. Take care.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 